Okay, welcome back to the Leadership Fan Podcast, everybody, as I've learned how to run the board here. Sorry about that. It's great to see and to talk to all of you again uh, today. We have really had some great guests lately. I hope you've been enjoying some of the content on the Leadership Fan Podcast. Today, I got a good buddy, the best buddy I got, uh, Brian Willett, uh, with us again. And I want to talk to you folks about what we're what we're looking to do here uh, we're going to try to bring Brian on as much as we can pry him in here and get him to join us. And the thing about Brian is that he is really over the last, oh, I think we told you this in the last podcast he was on uh, over the last, man, I don't know, call it 10 years. I might be shortening him a little bit. He really got really deep into reading and, and into books and uh, book clubs and all kinds of things. And and so I want to tap into some of that knowledge of his but i just want to have uh, just a fun conversation this guy and i we talk probably every day good buddies and uh we just want to be a couple of guys here today talking like we normally do uh yeah. about leadership and in this case uh another guy from kentucky uh who is an author and we're going to talk about a book today and about leadership with you uh, but before i do that before we jump in brian what's up man hey Glad to be on here again, man. Thanks for the introduction. And, uh, you know, you mentioned this, but yeah, Marshall is, uh, from our hometown, not too yeah. far from, uh, where I grew up. So it's an interesting connection. And, uh, you know, I got to meet Marshall and spend some time with him and, uh, definitely a unique guy. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So folks, uh, folks listening out there, we're talking about a leadership trainer by the name of and motivational speaker by the name of Marshall Goldsmith. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I don't know where he lives today, Brian, uh, but uh, I think it's California. Yeah, I think so, too. I also got to meet Marshall. Um, I attended one of his events for this book. We're talking today about a book out there that Marshall Goldsmith wrote called What Got You Here Won't Get You there and he's talking about that leadership climb like i always talk about here on the podcast and it was just ironic that i met marshall and i referenced brian to him and he knew who brian was which is really cool you know and uh but again a few kentucky boys by the way i've asked for him uh, marshall to join the podcast one of these days we may have him on uh, he's a pretty busy popular guy but anyways brian uh, let's just talk about uh really quick um when you think about leadership books, I know we don't read solely leadership books, at, you know, at this point in our lives, but there was a time where we were. I can remember, man, I, I do. I remember this. I don't know if you remember this. I can't remember the title at all. I think one of the first gifts I bought you for Christmas uh, one year was a small little thin John Maxwell book. I don't know. I, you and Ken both got the same book. I don't Do you remember that? Yeah, vaguely, and I don't even remember what book it was. I don't either, uh, but it was a, yeah. one of the small, thin ones yeah. he would produce. And that's what yeah. got us all kind of rolling on Maxwell. And uh, sure. anyway, what, what is it about, you know, just getting into books for you and, and leadership books? What is it that, because you're just addicted to it, I think. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that and say it that way, because, you know, it's like a, I have a thirst for knowledge um, and I don't know if it comes from some lack that I have, you know, maybe I always kind of felt like I 
you know, got started late in my journey of education and stuff. And so I don't know if that's part of it or I'm just curious now. And so I think that's part of it, but you know, and I, and we may have talked about this before, but you know, after going through all that formal education, you know, mm -hmm. all the way through an MBA, you know, I really didn't know that much about leadership until I started doing it. <laughs> so, Oh my goodness. You yeah, know, all that theory, all that yeah. theory didn't matter. And so you start reading books that give you practical advice, you know, versus that theory that you got out of a textbook. And I just think it was a game changer. And then, and then implementing it every single day, right? Actually living it. So totally in a leadership position. Man, I got to tell you, that's been on my mind. Uh, even this morning, it's been on my mind. You know, a lot of you that are listening know that I that I teach a leadership class at the graduate level at the University of Arizona. And last night I was grading papers and, you know, we're talking about workforce planning and predictive data and just, you know, a lot of a lot of high level stuff. Right. And and I always just try to I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. You know, the, the things that we have today at our disposal from a technology point of view. But on the other hand, there's still this common sense leadership piece that I try to at least work into my messaging, right? That's beyond all that theory you talked about and that high level yeah. MBA stuff, it, it, you know, that it's all important. It's necessary. I know I saw you grow with it, but man, when you're right, when you come down to that common sense level, uh, you know, it's, it's just so valuable, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's people leading people mm -hmm. <laughs> and, it is. It, you know, and, and when you're leading people and and what I like about Marshall's book here, what got you here won't get you there is he's talking about the behaviors that leaders, you know, demonstrate um, mm -hmm. that are negative. Right. There's so many books out there that tell you what to do. Um, but what he does in this book is tell you what not to do. Right. And he talks about these 20 behaviors that he's outlined through research and, you know, years of working with leaders. Um, you know, these behaviors that leaders demonstrate that take away their influence from leading people successfully. And again, all of these things are one-on-one, -on -one, having conversations with people, but things that leaders do, their behaviors that take away from being more influential with, you know, whoever they're leading. Yeah. And this so it's morning, real practical. It's real practical. Stuff you can put, put the work today, you know? Well, if you listen to this show or if you've known me at all for years, I always, I've got this sort of this way about me for better or worse, where I, I always try to be a simple guy and keep it, keep it pretty simple. And sometimes I think life is that way. It's not as complicated as we make it, my goodness. And so if you don't know, Brian is, is for years, he's, he's done a lot of blogs and he's written book reviews and 
there's a lot out there and he can tell you later how to find that stuff. But I read this one today and he did a fantastic job of breaking this book down. But man, there's so much information there. I thought we might be here for three hours. And so we're just going to, we're just going to play off a little bit of what Marshall's written here. And I know Brian's got some good ideas, but you know, so, sort of the gist of what I caught on to was, I mean, Brian reminds us in his review that there's a lot of smart people when you get to the higher, you know, executive leadership. You know, but now behaviors become a critical component of leadership. And I think that is so powerful. So there are 20 different things we could touch on today. And, and we're just going to play off of those, some of them that impact us, I guess, um, the most in life. And, and what I think uh, Brian writes about and Marshall writes about is, you know, the higher you go, we find that behavioral issues become more important. Right. And so. So, Brian, why don't you kick us off? I, I think, you know, um, one of them I think you were talking about is winning too much, right? Yeah, well, you know, winning too much, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, I, I guess in, in, in leadership we want to win, right? Um, but, you know, sometimes a leader can get caught up too much in trying to put up victories on the board um, that they forget about the people side of it. Right. And 100%. I think, um, you know, I think early on in my career, I was guilty of that. Right. You forget about, you know, people having families, right. You don't think about it enough. You think about, you know, why are they not working longer hours to be successful or, or whatever that is. Right. But, but it becomes uh, a winning no matter what, right. At all costs doesn't matter. And, you know, I just don't think I don't think it's ever worked, but it definitely doesn't work in today's uh, in today's leadership environment. You know, as a as a leader, you've got to balance that, you know, with individuals. Um, yeah, I've seen know. it many times and uh, I certainly saw it with you and I've seen it with me. I've seen it with a lot of leaders. And once you learn uh, this, again, is simple stuff that I have always preached that. Man, if you're going to run hard all the time and not consider the lives of the people that are doing, you know, running through walls for you, um, you're making a huge mistake because, boy, if you alienate those guys, you're in some real trouble, right? So I, I, I developed many years ago, as you know, Brian, I've said it at nauseum, uh, people first philosophy, where uh, you got to put people and their families and their situations before your own in many cases, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, whether it's, you know, I can remember, you know, someone would call in, right? Oh, I yeah. can't come in today. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm like, well, why can't you come in? You know, and, you know, and I don't know, you know, looking back, I wouldn't do all that again, right? I mean, yeah. You got to trust people. You know, they work hard when they're there at work. Now, now if it's a chronic, always an issue, right. okay, that's one thing. But, you know, it's yeah, but people a, got real issues. You know, the dog's got a fever. The kid's throwing yeah. up. The, you know, yeah. it's yeah. you got a broken pipe in the basement. It, it's just life happens. And I think what we've learned, even post-COVID, you know, um, as much as I hated the whole COVID era, like everyone else did, and everything that went with it, by the way, um, there have been some interesting things that have come out of the COVID era, right? And I think sure. more focus on the employee is one of those things that I've noticed. Um, 
And, and it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the evolution of that. You know, does it come back full circle, right? Um, whether it's remote work we're talking about or, you know, when you, th you think about all the focus on diversity or you think about all that, all that's going on in the workplace right now. How, how does it evolve now moving forward? It's interesting, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. I mean, I literally had a conversation this morning with a friend of mine at, at Starbucks who runs a big law firm here, uh, here in Dallas. And, and, uh, what he was telling me is tomorrow, uh, j tomorrow, July 1st, that a lot of law offices are going to be laying attorneys off. And the reason that is, is just because of the current economy, there's just not a, a whole lot of business going on. Right. But one of the things he talked about was hiring a marketing manager here recently. And he's an old school thinker, right? And he said, the person asked if they could work from home. And he said, well, you know, you can work from home. We prefer you to come into the office. He goes, when you're in the office, we know you're working because we can see you working because we're here every day. Yeah. He goes, but if you want to work from home, you're going to have to produce a lot more work for us to know that you're working. And I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm hearing out there. It's interesting. We'll move on. But I find it interesting that I'm hearing, and I've told students this recently, I'm hearing little talk out there more and more about companies wanting to go to a hybrid model, you know, where mm -hmm. they bring you into the office, you know, uh, three days a week and you're home two days a week or so they're hedging a little bit. It seems like companies are starting to rethink, you know, do we want to go all into this remote thing or are we going to pull back some? And that's what I mean by that evolution. Yeah, I don't know where. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, it's interesting, you know, listening to Elon Musk, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's totally against work from home. He thinks it's a complete yeah. disaster. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few other people that, you know, this says it's impossible to build a culture, right? Going back yeah. to leadership when everybody works from home, you know, how do you do it? How do you, so. You know uh, what I kind of think about a little bit? I sort of think about the church a little bit when I, and I do this a lot in leadership and you guys know, and again, the great thing about having your own podcast, you can say whatever you want. Right. But yeah, uh, in church, we teach and we preach that we're designed to do life together. That's the reason we go to a church. And we don't just worship by ourselves in a room in our house um, forevermore. Most people that, you know, um, choose to, to worship and they understand it's because we're designed to do life together in small groups and and um, life is hard sometimes. And I think it's sort of like that in the employment world. I work from home, as you know, and heck, you can work from home and you choose to go to an office space. You know, why yeah. do you do that? Yeah, because I want to be around other people. I mean, when Amen. I see other people working, it makes it, it motivates me to work harder. I mean, Amen. And and I feel that a lot of times too. And and so while I really feel blessed by the opportunity to work from home, and it's kind of cool. Same. You know, I'm sitting here in my shorts today. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it's uh, it's still I, I'm wise enough as a leader to be objective about it. And say, I think culture is stronger when we're together. And yeah. you have to work really hard on a lot of these Zoom calls and Teams calls to try to build culture and keep culture alive and know what the heck people are doing all day long and the rest. So, but 
we have talked about one of the 20 <laughs> behaviors. So, well, so what's I, another one on your mind today? I'll tell you the other one again, and, and I've seen this demonstrated by a lot of leaders and that is adding too much value. Mm. Um, and, and, and what Marshall says in the book is the overwhelming desire to add our two cents to every discussion. Uh, and I've watched this with, you know, several leaders, I'll just say, in, in my journey. Where, yeah, where, you know, and, and I think in the book he talks about, you know, let's just say uh, uh, someone on your team brings a, a thought or an idea. And what happens is you bring that to the leader, and what the leader does is says, well, what if we did this? Well, we add this or, oh, that's great here. But what if we do this? And, and, and every time they add their two cents, it is now taking the idea from the employee and the employee thinks it's becoming the manager or the leader's idea. And that's a, it's a behavior trait. And, and most people that are listening and most people would never know that they're doing it. Until they're, you know, until someone makes them aware of, and, and, and I think that's the value of the book as you're reading through the book, as you go through these 20 behaviors, you know, if you're in leadership, you can probably say, oh, I do that, or I don't do that. Or you're going to think of people as you go through the 20 behaviors and say, oh, I've watched that, that so-and-so does that. And, And I would encourage you if you pick up the book and read it is to reflect and say, you know, where have I seen this or do I do it? And, and that's really the value of continual education, right? Mm. Is, is to make yourself aware, you know? Um, yeah, I think, and I think uh, for those of you who are out there and you're growing leaders, um, I would encourage you to catch that reading bug that Brian caught. And, and I know I spent many years reading leadership books myself and I got a little fatigued of it. And sometimes you got to go back and pick those up because man, it can really help in your development. But I got to tell you, Brian, part of my development in this has been just hard knocks and learning the hard way and making these mistakes because I'm guilty of this one. Um, you know, even still today, I have to fight it. And a lot of times what I referred to this as is active listening you know um when you're in situations in corporate leadership and you're in large meetings you have to or even one-on-one situations you got to really focus in on actively listening to what they're saying right instead of thinking about what you're going to say next and mm-hmm. th- that ego that says i've got to get my point across and i've got to do this my way right and, and yeah. that's what comes to mind for me no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes back to just, you know, that basic principle of really listening to understand, you know, uh, mm. instead of listening, you know, so you can say what you want to say. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that applies not just in leadership at your job, but in leadership at your home. I mean, both of us, we lead our households. We both believe in that. But we also know that our wives' opinions have great value. And so it's the same way. You've got to actively listen to your spouse the same way. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, you know, my wife sometimes, she'll, she, you know, I, I don't know which behavior this would fall under. I, I guess we could look through the list. But 
that she says I sometimes ask for her opinion, but I've already made up my mind, right? Yeah, and, I did it. Right. I've already made up my mind of where I want to go uh, or what I want to do, whatever. I've already made up my mind, and I'm just asking for her opinion, but I really don't want it. Mm. Right. But I'm sure, you know, again, you know, we do that in leadership sometimes, right? I mean, you've probably been in a meeting. I know I have where you've gone into the meeting and said, oh, well, they asked us for our opinion, but they've already made their decision. <laughs> yeah. You used to say something all the time that I that I adopted, and I'm not sure it was just out of habit from listening to you. And you would come in with an opinion. It was well thought. It, and you would say, am I wrong? Like that, yeah. right? And I would adopt that language. Am I wrong? And <laughs> it, it, I think we both would have that. We've already made up our mind, right? And it, yeah. And so it's that, are you trying to convince me or yourself? Am I wrong? You know? <laughs> but, yeah. You know, that's the value of if you're listening to this podcast, we we worked with each other for a long time and uh, probably grew up a lot together, you know, uh, one way or another. And so, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to touch on, I think it's like number three on his list that I have been honest to God. And I hope there are some of my old folks that uh, from Bridgepoint Education that may be listening to this, um, you know, at every stop in your career, it none of us are perfect. <laughs> we're, we're human beings, right? And we, we make mistakes along the way. We're always growing. We're always learning, um, sometimes the hard way. And one of the reputations that I got branded with along the way has been this passing judgment, you know, as a leader. And I have really grown in this area, but I'm st it's still something in my life I work on and again, it gets back to faith for me because it is, it, you know, it's it's a sinful thing, really, to judge others. We're not supposed to do that. And yet it's such a natural impulse for humans to do. And so a lot of times what I got branded with as a leader and a lesson I've really become cognizant of is once I make judgment or pass judgment on someone's ability or maybe it's a behavior that they've displayed that I don't let go of that that yeah. I'd leave them in that box. And now when it's time for promotion, uh, interviews are happening for promotional opportunities that I, that I hang on to that. And maybe they've left it in the way back in the past, but I still hang on to that and remind people of that one incident. Right. And, you know, I've had to grow that way. And leaders, I, I hope you're hearing my voice, you know, as I'm being transparent as I can be here, uh, these are mistakes I've made. And, and so, you know, Brian, play off of that a little bit. Um, yeah, no, could. absolutely. I mean, you know, that I think that's a great, great example. You know, it goes back to, you know, another leadership, you know, author. We talk about John Maxwell, you know, and, and, and something he says is we see, we, we, uh, we treat people how we how we see them right and he uses the example of if you think someone's a 10 you tend to treat them that way right that they're really really mm -hmm. good you give them opportunities things like that right mm -hmm. but when we think of someone who may be a five or a six 
then we treat that person that way, right? And we may not give them the same opportunities. Um, and it goes back to, you know, hopefully creating opportunity. We want to treat people fairly, right? And, and what we're we're not treating people fairly when we when we treat them that way by passing judgments, as Marshall would say in the book here. Yeah, it can be hurtful you know, for employees along the way too. And it's unintentional by leaders. Yeah. But I think, I think when we judge others too harshly, right. And we hang on to that, boy, we do them a real disservice because we back them up. We back up the progress in their career and sometimes unfairly. Now I will say this, there are probably times when a leader has to make judgment, cast judgment when someone's not moving forward, they're not making those improvements they need to make. And that's our job. Right. But to unfairly not move on and put things in the past and give people an opportunity is a mistake on the leader's path. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, you know, this book in the book, he, you know, he hits on this. And, and I know a lot of what we talk about is trying to help the next level of leaders coming up. But when you're in a leadership position, you know, you're, you're really leading three different cohorts, right? So mm -hmm. you got to lead up, right? That manager, whoever's above you, then you got to lead down the people who report to you. And then you got these people that are your peers that may have the same title as you. And there's a leadership component there as well. And probably one of the hardest ones to manage is to manage that peer group. The, you know, people that if you're a director of what, you know, a director of shipping is trying to manage the director of whatever that other department, right? And so your peers, and so how do you get along with them and not also have these destructive behaviors? And the book hits on that a lot. And, and it's important because typically in an organization, for you to move up, in the organization, what your peers are saying about you is probably more important than what your subordinates are saying about you. Amen. Yeah. Right. And so you got to look at these behaviors from that point of view, too. Um, and it brings me to one of the next ones, which is, you know, obviously negativity. But Marshall explains it like this he says, Hey, the phrase, let me explain why that won't work. So everyone mm -hmm. just stop and stop for a moment. How many times in your organization have you heard someone say, let me explain to you why that won't work. <laughs> mm. And so think about whether it's someone on your team, yourself going to your boss or your, your peer on the other side coming to you with an idea or a thought on something and your immediate response is, well, let me explain why that won't work. How would you respond to that, that type of phrase, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I've often referred to that as a culture of no, and, and I've experienced it with leaders so often where no matter what idea you bring to the table and you come with all this great story behind it and they've already said that won't work. And this, and well, why? Well, and sometimes it's that old, 
well, because we've always done it this way, you know? Right. <laughs> and I right. hate that more than anything. But you're exactly right as a leader. And I that's one that I don't feel that I've been guilty of in my career uh, because I rely so much on guys like you and, and others that have held me up over the years to say, Joe, what if we did it this way? Here's what we could do. Bang, bang, bang. And I love that because then I can play off, right? I can feed off of that. Yeah. Just me. No, and, and I'll tell you, I, I mean, I, I can just think of one, one great example of a person who was really, really a good manager of their people, leading their people, right? They could really manage. They could get that group behind them. They were successful. But when you put them into the into a room with other leaders, right? Mm -hmm. They're all peers. They could not lead that group to somewhere else because of their their negative approach to things, such right. as the reason that won't work, right? Yep. And again, it immediately when you think about. Again, with, with your team, it's one thing, right? You can sometimes get away with it. But with, when you're with your peer group, they're going to mm. immediately say, well, that person's negative. They're not open-minded, right? Yeah. And so, again, you got to think about these behaviors with those different cohorts that you're trying to lead within your organization. So now what you're saying is now you are – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're kind of stymieing your own career because you're branding yourself with this um, this reputation of of negativity, and yeah, uh, and that's gonna yeah. that's gonna follow, right? And I remember being like, man, like I don't know, 20 years old, right? I don't know. I, you did some some pretty blue collar jobs like I did early on. <laughs> I was we both worked in the restaurant business and. Right. I had a guy talk to me once. He pulled me, and I've always fought this temptation, if I'm being honest. I don't think I'm guilty of being negative about ideas, but, and I'm getting a rainstorm in our studio here, so it's just lovely. Uh, I'm not a big I fan. I was wondering of, what that was. I was I'm like, not, it, it is what it is, folks. This is live <laughs> rate, late, live podcasting for you. Um, and not a big fan of rain, if you watch much of what I do. But yeah. Um, but I got this lesson, and, I, and maybe some young guys out there working in the restaurant business, trying, climbing that ladder today, and and he pulled me over. And it wasn't about ideas. I've always been pretty good about that, but it was about negativity um, in terms of negativity and talking about negativity and this guy pulled me over and he said man if you want to be the leader you want to be and you want to you want to grow and get promoted you, you got to stop that because i'm telling you it's spreading people talk about it people know especially when you're in a position of leadership and typically wow. for me when the temptation has been strongest is when things aren't going well when things are bad and there's a significant change i will be tempted right to uh to talk negatively and i've had to fight that temptation maybe you do too out there i don't know brian what say you yeah yeah no absolutely i mean i i think you, you know it's um negativity is what gets the headlines right that gets the eyeballs and um i think it's just something naturally that we as humans are attracted to i mean and so you really do have to fight fight it off right mm -hmm. to stay away from it i mean it's 
I don't know. I just think it's part of the human condition and we can, you know, you can be as positive as, as you want to be, right. You can be Mr. Motivation, but you know, that negativity, it's, it's easy to talk about. It's easy for it to creep in. I mean, but, but it goes back to, you, you know, where do, you know, who do you speak with, with that negativity? And, you know, typically mm. we say, you, you know, that negativity should never be going down, right. Downstream. Mm-hmm. All negativity should be going upstream, but you know, even that you don't want to constantly be negative with your boss either, you know, but yeah. it's a lot better to be negative with them than it is with your team. Yeah, uh, exactly. Well, let you me know, use one that of the, as, go ahead. Uh, oh, I was going to say one of the other behaviors, uh, was telling the world how smart we are. <laughs> and and I tell you, I, I really like that one because one of my first jobs as a supervisor in a in a, a distribution center, uh, I had a I had a boss, an operations manager, and there were four of us that were peers, and we all reported up to this individual. And I was the only one that had a bachelor's degree. Okay, whatever that matters. Okay, it doesn't matter anything to hell of beans. I get it, right? No. But I just finished my bachelor's degree, and but my manager, I guess I'm assuming she didn't go to school, but she would always, this is how she would say things to me. This is her coaching. She would say, well, you probably didn't learn this in school, but this and this and this. I can't tell you how many times she said, well, you probably didn't learn this in school, but this is how this works. And uh, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine hearing that over and over again? I mean, no. <laughs> Sounds like an insecure leader. Right. <laughs> right. But telling the world how smart we are is, yeah. you know, one of those behaviors. And obviously it manifests itself in different ways, but that was this individual's way. That's how it manifested with them in their behaviors. And what did it do for me? Well, it turned me off, right? Amen. I mean, Amen. And I yeah. ultimately left, you know, but. Yeah, you know, it's a lesson that I had to learn in higher education, um, because when you work in higher education, you know, you get into this culture of getting education that you feel pressured if you want to grow, that you got to get more degrees. And, um, you know, it took me years to get all the degrees I have. And I got to a place in my life where now I try, I, I guess I'm guilty occasionally in that world. But for the most part, folks, what I try to do is sure. I went to graduate school. I have a master's degree and I don't care. Honestly, I, um, it's, it's necessary at times, I guess in my life, but, um, the reality is I don't want to be a degree snob. I don't want to be that leader that tries to use smarts against somebody else or degrees against somebody else. Right. It's just to me, a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I totally agree. And, you know, again, this is another conversation for another day, but you know, that, you know, going through four years of school to learn all this theory and, you know, you know, is it, you know, is it as valuable as it used to be or, or I don't know, or was it individual? Yeah. Yeah. 
But, you know, we, it depends on where you work. You know, we worked in higher education, so you really had to do it. You didn't have a choice. Right. Or, or in the corporate world, there were times, it's changing now, where you had to have a master's degree if you wanted to be an executive leader. And that was my goal. And so I just did what I was told to do, right? And right. hopefully I grew from it. But the reality is I've had people in my life throw that degree in my face, even doctoral degrees, throw it yeah. in my face as if they're smarter than I am. And, um, I'm going to tell you right now, leaders out there, I am all for education. I'm, I'm always going to be pro education for sure. However, um, I, I will tell you that, uh, I am for the best leadership that you can display and exhibit for your people, you know, your, your degree and throwing that in someone's face is not going to help you through, um, common sense problems in the workplace. No, doesn't mean anything really. I mean, yeah. at all. And, you know, again, I mean, you know, I just think back, you know, I'll just say over the last three years, you know, the people with the most letters behind their names, how wrong have they been on, on many topics that we, you know, we don't have to get into it here, but, no. you know, the, the, all these credentials and, and what do they mean? And, you know, I, I was recently, who was I listening to? Um, somebody that was talking about experts, right? And and they were using these elite schools. Uh, oh, I know, it was one of the presidential candidates, but uh, Robert Kennedy was talking about when, when he went in to fight a case that on his side, he had experts from, you know, all the elite schools and on the other side who was fighting the opposite of what they were fighting for, who had a different opinion, had all of these same credentials, you know, mm. um, and, and who's right, right? I guess the courts will decide. But the point is, is, you know, what does credentials really mean? At the end of the day, the credentials doesn't matter in, a, in this in a people business, and that's what leadership is. It's a people business, and they don't care how many letters are behind your name or whatever. Yeah, it's you know they want to be led by someone who who they trust and that they feel like cares about them. So, yeah, it gets back to that old thing. It's just wisdom, and sometimes leadership just it's it's, it's got to marinate. It it takes time, no matter what, whether we like it or not. I was talking Brian to a guy who owns a tech company uh, recently, and you know, in the tech world, um, it's been famous for a lot of rich folks that have come out of that industry at you know twenty three years old, twenty four, twenty five. But what happens is a lot of these super smart young people. Um, who are innovators, they've been thrust into CEO roles, COO roles um, at the age of 25 or whatever the age is, young age, right? And, and, and the problem is, is that they're smart. Sometimes they're educated. Um, and yet they have not walked through this situation or that situation. They haven't seen it yet. And it, it can't be theory based. You just no. can't learn it out of a textbook. It it takes real life, real hard knocks, real conversations with real people to learn these lessons. And and so this guy was telling me, hey, listen, I, I love my young people that work for me and they're brilliant. They, they're, 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 the valuation of this company is largely because of them. But the reality is I need to mix in some older leaders who have experienced some of these challenging issues. 
No, absolutely. I guarantee it. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I think part of the reason I became such a, a big reader was I was trying to expedite the learning mm. process, you know, and you, again, you can in some ways, but at the end, at the end of the day, right. Oh, cliche, but, um, man, you, there's so many things you have to really experience for yourself to be able to understand it. Um, and what's know, amazing really is you get to be in your fifties and you still screw it up. You're still, you know, skinning <laughs> your knee and it to include marriage. I mean, you know, I've been married 32 years and I, you know, I still, even last weekend had to learn some lessons, you know, and, and that's just <laughs> part of the life experience. It's okay. I guess life would be really boring if we weren't learning new experiences all the time, if we were just robots. Right. And so that leads me to one that I saw in there that you can speak to, I'm sure. And that's speaking when angry. I, I just think it's in a, the emotional piece of that, that be, that behavior is really important one to touch on for leaders. Um, so why don't you take it from there? Yeah. I mean, again, I think, you know, there was probably a point in time in my career when, when something may have happened or, you know, what something went wrong or something and my tone mm. may have come across angry and, mm. you know, being removed from that now, I don't know, you know what would, what could really happen <laughs> to really make me angry and, and, you know, and obviously anger, your tone changes, your demeanor changes, but I don't know. I just think nowadays, you know, what in the workplace should be, could be, could go that wrong that I would have to be angry and someone would feel, you know, threatened, I guess, because of, of anger. Um, and, and I know back in the day, I'm sure I did have some of that, you know, yeah. we missed the deadline or, something wasn't set up the right way or something fell through the cracks. And, um, but you know, I just don't think you, you, you know, you need to be angry and it goes back to what you said in your relationships with your, your family, right? Yeah. When does yeah. being angry with your wife or, you know, or kids or anything ever benefited you? <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. There's usually regret that follows that. And, um, I, you know, but I, I can speak to this in the corporate space where I've seen this so many times where you might have this really gregarious, really fun leader who's always positive, And then they try to use anger as sort of a tool or as a weapon. And so they come into the meeting, they're pissed off because, you know, activities aren't strong enough or you're not hitting budget, you know, and they try to just lay the lumber to the staff because they're feeling the heat from their boss. Now they're acting in a in a realm that it's not them and, and their people pick up on the fact that they're using it in, in an inauthentic way. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I guess it goes back to, you know, you want to be a consistent leader, right? I mean, it's, no one wants to report to someone who you never know what you're going to get. Right. You know, one day they're happy. One day they're, sad one day they're angry one day they're you know whatever and nobody wants to report to somebody who's inconsistent so i think that's part of what you're talking about too um mm -hmm. you know again you know i, I think with age I, 
I'm just like, what could make me that mad <laughs> in today's work environment that uh, I would I would get angry about? And I don't know. I'm in a different place now. I don't think anything, uh, you know, would get me that fired up, right? Um, it, well, it's like what what if you know what did you used to say? I don't know where you got it from. I don't know if it came from you, but you know, look, we're not. We're not trying to save people's lives here, you know. What could be? What could go that wrong? <laughs> We're not curing cancer here, huh? We're not curing cancer here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you know, but emotion is a real thing, and so many, you know, leaders go through this along the way. Where man, emotion comes into the workplace, and I, I felt it well up on me in meetings before, and 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 I get angry, and. Almost always, I will live to regret that and will be apologizing for it later. And so emotional intelligence, is it's, it's a whole other podcast that we could talk about. And But I think it's a critical thing to have control of as a leader because sometimes the forgiveness doesn't come. Sometimes what you've laid down in that meeting sticks with you based on my earlier comments on judgment, right? And branding. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, um, so Brian, I know, that, I know our, our clock's getting a little bit long here, and I know that part of the book that 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 you write about in in, in your review are the seven ways to change bad behaviors. And I wonder if we could just touch on that. And folks, if you know if you were to order this book, I'm sure you could still get it on Amazon or somewhere. Um, you know, this is a, a key component of the book as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the seven, you know, ways to change, you, you know, number one, it starts with feedback. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, Marshall is, is a, um, you know, a coach. And so he has coached, you know, top leaders, executive leaders at the highest level. Um, and so, but it, but it starts with giving people feedback and you have to be open open the feedback um and, and typically in leadership people are just not going to give you feedback so you have to you know part of the training uh, that marshall provides around this is is what he calls stakeholder centered coaching so getting the people that actually report to you involved in providing you coaching and feedback and he talks about it takes courage and humility to be able to get feedback. And, and so being humble enough uh, to say, I welcome feedback, you know, especially if I'm falling short in one of these areas, you know? And so again, it all, it all starts with feedback and are you willing to accept feedback, um, you know, warn it or, you know, asking for it or not asking for it. I think we lost Joe there for a second. Maybe I'll just improvise here. But, you know, again, the book is called uh, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. You know, uh, if you would like to get um, – I used to write book summaries, so I'd read a book. And then uh, as I go through a book, I highlight a bunch of stuff. And then at the end of that book, after I finished reading it, I would type up my notes, all my highlights. And uh, that's what I did with this particular book. So it's not a true book summary, 
Uh, it's really the summary that I've taken from the book and my notes that I made while I read the book. And so if you'd like to get a copy of that, reach out to me. Um, you know, there'll be a way to connect with me uh, through this podcast. Uh, but I also encourage you, obviously, I got to promote the book and, and, you know, go read the book. You know, don't take my word for it. Don't take Joe's word for it. Go pick up the book, read the book, spend some time reading the book and, uh, you know, figure out uh, where, what, what are those areas of a, that you can that you can learn from. And that's what I would encourage you to do as a leader. You have to be a continuous learner, uh, continue to pick up books, continue to read. Um, because it's going to help you be a better leader on a daily basis. So, Joe, I know I lost you. Uh, tried to wrap it up here. So uh, I'll let you put on any final notes. And uh, looking forward to doing the next book summary. And we welcome any feedback you all have for us. Give us uh, your feedback on this particular podcast. And uh, tell us what you'd like to hear more of. Uh, and if you have any book recommendations, always welcome book recommendations. Because I'm always looking for a new book to read. So. Uh, again, thanks for having me on today, Joe, and I uh, hope you all enjoyed this podcast.